0: There's a lot of um, there's a lot of emotion in our nation at the moment, and um, not all good uh, there's a lot of of swirl emotional swirl. Just take that down for one second, David, if you wouldn't mind um, we're going to come to that in just a second, but I don't know if you've noticed if you've been on holiday, if you've been traveling, if you've just been out and about doing life and as we're in this kind of funny season of transitioning out of out of restrictions and into freedom, perhaps it doesn't really feel like freedom yet. And there's a lot of people are kind of in that moment or in that season where they're, they're defining new boundaries for their lives. And, and so there's a feral bit of, a, of emotion flying around. I don't know if you've picked that up. Um, we, we certainly have here. Just within our community, people's emotions are close to the surface. And sometimes that spills out in unhelpful ways and sometimes it spills out and it perfectly well should spill out. We've got to give each other complete permission to feel and to, uh, t- to just love, e- love each other in the process um, because that's part of being family. When a family member is fearful or sad or hurting, uh, then we don't reprimand them for that, do we? We, we? we love them. We seek to understand. We seek to get alongside and, and to care. Um, and it requires something of us, doesn't it? When, you know, the Bible says, it, it sounds easy, doesn't it? The Bible says, you know, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And sometimes we need to be able to do that within the same 10-minute period of time when you meet somebody who needs to weep and then you meet somebody who needs to rejoice. And it's like, how do I do this? How do I do this? It's tough. It's tough. And it's, it's happened all across the world. It's happened all across our nation, but all across the nations of the the world. People have been on this kind of roller coaster. That was the image that is now gonna pop up on the screen. Um, I I came across this a number of months ago. You may not be able to see it. I'll I'll explain it roughly to you. Um, Over at this side of the screen here, you definitely can't see this. This is lockdown one. And this is the timeline running along here. And up here we have the emotions of our nation. Okay, so you can see already, it's like all over the place, isn't it? And in lockdown one, we hit lockdown, there was lots of confusion, and then all the toilet roll ran out, and suddenly the emotion of the nation went down, you know, we took this big plunge, and uh, and then we began to crawl our way out of that, and the summer came around, and we had a little bit more freedom, and some of us went on holiday, and it felt like, oh, we're on the up, it's okay, it's okay. Then came lockdown two, sort of October, November time last year, and we were doing that very British thing of gritting our teeth, bearing it, it's gonna be all right, we're gonna get through, by Christmas it'll all be over. No. And by Christmas the government gave us, what was it, two days, three days where we were allowed to see a few people and we all had a a nice Christmas day-ish. And there was a little bit of a spike in our emotions round about Christmas day with all of the, the distractions there. Then came the big plunge. Lockdown again. Lockdown continues. And the winter is awful and the days are short and it rains and it's cold and there's no end in sight. And, you know, all sorts of things begin to happen. Football didn't actually come home in the end. And it, it, it was just pretty bad down here. And now as we come out of lockdown, we're coming into this bit called the future. Now, How long is the future? We don't, we don't really know. But we're beginning to taste some of that and our emotions are, are catching up with us a little bit. Now, psychologists, I think, um, would tend to suggest that we will have this honeymoon period where we're all excited and we're happy to be back together again. But we'll probably have another bit of a plunge here. And this is what some people call reverse culture shock. And what that means is that you come back to the familiar things. You come back to familiar people, familiar places, and familiar routines. But you then discover that in all of the process of disruption... You have changed, those people have changed, the routines have changed, and what you thought was going to be glorious is actually pretty painful. So just to give you some really good news at the start of today, you're probably going to go into reverse culture shock over the next little while, and your emotions might still be all over the place, just to let you know that that is fine. That is to be expected. We're in this kind of season of turmoil, and I think we're going to be there for a little while. And that's okay. That's okay because God's good and he's with us and he never changes. And he'll walk with us through all of this. When Jesus spoke to his disciples and he um, said these really well-known words to them in John chapter 14, verse six, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the father except through me. He wasn't giving them a lesson on the uh, the exclusive nature of entrance into salvation. Although that's true, his his motivation was not, guys, get this one really firmly in your heads. No one can come to the Father but by me. I don't think that was in his heart. The reason I think that is when I look back at the context of that passage and where it was that Jesus spoke those words. He was speaking to the, the closest people that he knew on the planet the ones that he'd walked with daily for three years and they were in turmoil they were totally distraught and upset because in the in the chapters leading up to John chapter 14 Jesus is speaking to his disciples as they make their way to Jerusalem and he is saying to them I am going to be I'm going to be taken from you I am leaving this world and Let's remember, these 12 apostles, they were the ones who had given up everything for Jesus. All of their security was in this guy. And he says, I am leaving you, and you can't come with me. The place I'm going to, no, you can't come there. You'll look for me, but you will not find me. And they get to Bethany, and they have a meal with Mary and Martha and the family that he loves, that Quasi spoke to us about last week so brilliantly. And Mary lets down her hair, pours out um, this expensive perfume on his feet. And Jesus says, this is to prepare me for my burial. I'm going to die. We're going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. And the guys are distraught. They're like, no, 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 please, no, please, no. They get to the Last Supper, which is where these words were spoken. And in that Last Supper, while they're, Desperately hoping that all the stuff that Jesus has been saying is not really true. Jesus goes further and he says, yeah, one of you is going to betray me. At which point Judas gets up and walks out. And they're like, what? What? Betray him? And then he goes even further and he says to Peter, who is like the rock. That's what his name means. The unchanging one. He says, you will deny me three times. These disciples are distraught. Their emotions are like shattered. And so in that context, as I'm looking at scripture over the last few weeks to bring this very simple message, I'm thinking Jesus did not stand there with a kind of intellectual, let me tell you some truth. He's looking at his room of closest friends who've probably got tears in their eyes, whose hearts are fragile and broken. And he said to them, I'm the way. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I am the life. Because in their eyes and in their hearts, he saw that these good Jewish people were desperate to connect to the Father. And he said, I'm the way. You can't get to the Father except through me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. It was the kindest, most loving, most pastoral message that they could ever hear. Let's face it. If you see someone drowning, you don't write them a little poem and throw it to them. You get them a life vest and you throw them exactly what they need. And Jesus gave the disciples exactly what they needed in this moment. Their lives were in tatters. And he said, I'm the answer. It's me. I'm the truth. I'm the way. I'm the life. You want to come to the Father? Do it through me. These were loving, loving words. And this is what he wants us to get hold of today as well. He said, people, do your lives look like that? Is your heart all over the place? Are your emotions up one minute, down the next? Are you crying on a Monday and laughing on a Tuesday? Listen, wherever your hearts are at, whatever you feel you need, do you need truth? Do you need life? Do you need to know the way? Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Don't numb yourself. We are the world's finest at numbing our pain. And we numb our pain through binge watching Netflix, through drinking wine, through going out for a meal, through going for a walk with a friend, through doing the gardening. I hate gardening, but some people numb themselves by doing gardening. It is pretty mind numbing, but none of those things are bad. Please don't, please don't mishear me. Okay. All of those things are stuff that we do and we can, we can do it and take great joy in it. But if we do it so as to avoid his gaze, so as to avoid the, the comfort that he offers us, the answer that our hearts actually need. There's no life in that. And he knows what our hearts need. So he says, come to me. Come to me. Come to the father through me. That's the highlight bit there. Are you in pain? Are you shattered? Are you wrecked? Are you just dog tired at the end of 18 months of this nonsense? Come to the father. Come to the Father and come through the person of Jesus. We've just focused on Jesus as we've worshipped. It's been beautiful because that is where life is. It's all what Jesus came to do is right at the very start of this gospel that we've been focusing on, John chapter 1, verse 18. It says there, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. What did Jesus come to do? Yes, he came to die on the cross for our sins, but his motivation was so that we can get back to the Father. So that everything that was perfect in the Garden of Eden, where man and woman walked in intimacy with the Father, can be restored again. And everything we see in Jesus, everything in his interactions is a demonstration of what a good father is like. Think of the story again that Kwesi shared with us last Sunday of, of Jesus' interactions with Lazarus and Martha and Mary. Think about Martha, the woman who goes down in history as the one who made Jesus sandwiches that he did not order. And she had all of her security in doing, in being busy. She was the one who ran out to him and said, oh, what would you like? What would you like? What can I do? Let me, let me get you some food. Let me sort out the house. Let me do, let me do, let me do, let me do. Jesus could have reprimanded her in that moment. He could have said, Martha, worship me. Nah, he didn't do that. He said, Martha, you're, so, you're caught up with all sorts of stuff. Come to me. Come to me. There's no harshness in his words. Think of Mary, Martha's sister, who comes and sits at his feet and we think, oh, that's nice. What she did would have been judged by everyone present as the most socially unacceptable thing to do in the world. Because what she did was she positioned herself as a disciple of the master. Only the master gets to choose who sits at his feet. She did not have the right to come and do that. And in that culture, she was a woman, she could not do that. She came and she positioned herself there. To learn from him. And he loved her. Instead of putting shame on her, he loved her. If you find yourself today feeling shame, feeling like the world is accusing you, that everyone's pointing their finger at you, saying, you do not belong here. How dare you? Jesus welcomes you. He loves you. He says, be with me. I love it that you've come to me. Let me give you life. And he comes to Lazarus, the ultimate picture of someone who is dead because he was dead. And he comes to Lazarus and he calls him out of death, whatever that might mean in our lives today. Emotional death, relational death, physical pain, anxiety, brokenness, whatever it may be. He calls, he brings out of death to life and instructs that all of the old grave clothes, all that that indicates this person is dead, all of that get unwrapped and released, that person released back into life. That is Jesus' desire. That is, all of that is demonstrating the father. The father loves. The father is not quick to condemn. The father is quick to cover over any potential source of shame. And to bring you and me into that place of intimacy and peace. That's what a father does. I love this. This is probably one of my favorite quotes of all time. If the written word of the Bible could be changed into a spoken word. And become one single voice. This voice more powerful than the roaring sea would cry out. The father loves you. The Father loves you. This is written by a guy who is the designated preacher to the Pope. What a job. That's a job title. I preach to the Pope. And the message that defines everything that I bring to him is this. The Father loves you. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. The Father loves you. Wildly, passionately. Jake, stand up with that beautiful little baby. The Father loves you. (laughs) The Father loves you like that. Such tenderness. Complete acceptance. The Father loves you. How many times can we repeat it? It's that simple message. is that simple one note. I felt compelled to go and buy one of these, but not many people have seen one of these for a while. This is a tuning fork used in music to make sure that the instrument you are tuning is tuned to the right note. Let's see if it works. Um, can you hear that? Okay. Bit of a, bit of a challenge on these microphones, but That is 440 hertz, exactly. It's a pure note. And there is something that the Lord is calling us, his people, today in this season, for the next season, which could be all over the place. But he says the most important thing you can do is tune your heart to this one truth. The Father loves you. It's that love that will carry you no matter what, the journey looks like ahead. No matter what this next season is, it's his love. It's his love. Always his love. There are many other tuning forks in the world. There's political systems, commercial systems, social systems all around us. There are other voices carrying different notes. And their message to you will be, tuned to me. tuned to this. tuned to that. You want to succeed? You want to get through this? Tune to me. Jesus says, No. Come back to the Father. Come back to the Father. Get yourself aligned to his voice, which simply calls out to you again and again, I love you. Which is why we're going to do this. The band are going to come back up and help us. And if you've got your little bit of uh, stuff I just want you to take hold of it. The band are going to lead us in, in worship. And what I, what I want us to do is uh, just, to be, just to be taking these next few minutes really personally with the Lord, really personally with him. Ask yourself, what else have I tuned into? What other tuning forks in this world are vying for my attention and calling me to align to their voice? And in these moments, as the band lead us in worship and call us back to the Father, we we need to be making decisions today to say, no, this, this, this person of Jesus Christ, the one whose body was broken for me, the one whose blood was shed for me. That is the voice that I want to tune into. That is the pure message that, That is going to give me life that is for me the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to tune to that. I'm going to let go of everything else. I'm going to lay hold of him. So these guys are going to lead us. It's a song that you may not be familiar with. It's quite new. But it simply calls us back to the Father. Don't worry if you can't sing it. This is not so much about singing as it is engaging with the heart of the one who loves you. So you can stand. You can sit you can lie on the floor whatever helps you connect with his heart let me just pray for us father father we want to hear your voice we want to hear your voice corporately but we want to hear it personally intimately this morning because lord god it's so So easy for us to walk out these doors and be blown and tossed by the winds of this nation and the winds of society and end up with our emotions in tatters. And Jesus, we need to align to your voice. We wanna thank you, Lord God, that you have done everything for us, that you've made the way possible for us to come, that you are the life-giving God. So we receive you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just take it when you're ready. Make it personal and engage with the Father's love.